You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. And so then in verse 15, Hannah does the right thing and sets them straight. So here's an example in the Bible where someone defends themselves and it's a good idea. Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. In verse 16, Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. Now don't pass judgment on me right now in, in the midst of my anguish. For out of the abundance of my complaint... In grief, I have spoken until now, until now. Hannah needs a miracle. She needs a miracle. This is verse 17 now, 1 Samuel 1, 17. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. Now, I don't know if this is just something that Eli would say to everybody, you know, if he was just that kind of guy. Whatever his heart was and what he really believed, this was the voice of God. This was a word of God, a prophetic word to Hannah, and she received it as such. As we see here in verse 18, she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And so we see that Hannah receives this word from God and believes it. And she believes it so wholeheartedly that it reflects in her actions and in her attitude, you see? She wasn't eating before because she was so sad, but because she believed the word of God, she was no longer sad, and she began to eat. And then she turned her her self-focus to worship of God. God, thank you, thank you. And so let's believe like Hannah, let's have that childlike faith. We're in the middle of verse 19. It says, and Elkanah, that would be her husband, knew Hannah, his wife, that is, they came together sexually, and the Lord remembered her. This doesn't mean that God forgot. This is a a word um, from the human perspective, from Hannah's perspective. Sometimes it feels like God forgets. Where are you, God? What's going on? And then he brings the solution. Oh, God remembered me. He acted in my life is all it's saying. Verse 20. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. I love this phrase. It came to pass in the process of time. You see, God's work is a process and it takes time. If you lose a loved one, 
and you grieve, there is a process for that grief and for the healing, the healing. It's not gonna happen like this. Sin in your life, there's a process. Man, I've seen people get healed immediately. I know a guy that was, he was this gang member and he was totally strung out on heroin. He became a Christian and God took it in a second, gone, just like that. But then there was the wounds of the past and his activity and he still had, you know, fears and would carry a gun around and get real defensive sometimes and stuff like that. It's a process. We all go through a process with the Lord. And we've got to be patient and give him time. Let him do his sanctifying work in our lives. And don't beat yourself up because it's not happening now. The deliverance isn't coming now. Let him work with you and work with him. Amen? Okay, process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son. God fulfilled his promise, called his name Samuel, which means heard by God. Interestingly, he would grow up to be a prophet hearing the voice of God. So her prayer was heard by God and he would be one who hears God. Because I have asked for him from the Lord. And of course we think of how the Bible speaks of asking the Lord, asking him. Matthew seven eleven. it says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So often in our pride, we will not come before the Lord and ask him. It's like, a man driving before there was GPS. Even now that there's GPS, sometimes I find myself going, I'm not gonna, I know my way around. I'm not gonna let Siri tell me where to go. (laughs) And I don't ask, right? And God says, ask, let your pride down, talk to me. I love you, I'm good, and I'm all powerful. Why wouldn't we come before a God like that with our petitions. He wants to step into our situation. And so let's ask. I want to take a moment and I want to invite you. Is there something that you need to ask God for? Something spiritual, forgiveness, endurance, spiritual endurance, freedom from an addiction, you know, things like that. Let's ask God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 17, 7. Hannah put her trust in the Lord. And there's great benefit in putting trust in the Lord. We talked about some of those benefits because really putting trust in the Lord is an Old Testament way of saying have faith. And so Jeremiah 17, 7 says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. He is our hope. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, the heat of battle. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, famines. 
nor will cease from yielding fruit. Even in times of hardship, times of war, times of famine, times of persecution and pestilence, God would have us to bear fruit, to be fruitful. As we put our trust in him, the fruits of the Holy Spirit will flow from our lives, even in the hardest times. And that is when your light will shine brightest, friends. As everybody around you is fearful, oh man, it's World War III and the atomic bombs are coming to LA and what do we do? Should we drive towards LA and make it quick? Or should we drive away and risk having to be radiated slowly? You know, ah! And you're going, why don't we just trust the Lord? <laughs> Praise God, he's got this. Nothing's gonna happen to me before my time. Let's go mountain bike ride. You know what I'm saying? You know, and just rest in the Lord. Not that you don't care, but that you're trusting God that these things are too big for us and we're not to put them on our shoulders and fear them. Verse 21. Now the man, Elkanah, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord yearly sacrifices and his vow. Notice how he led his entire house to the Lord into the worship of God. Great example for all of us. Verse 22, but Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. That means no longer breastfeeding. It was about two years old at that time in that culture. Then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. She's saying, look, my intention is to do this. I know I promised the Lord, but I want to wait until he's weaned first and spend that two years with him. And so she was busy attending to the needs of Samuel as the rest of the family went up to worship. Sometimes friends, especially when your children, grandchildren are really young, you find that, oh no, I can't get to church or I'm too busy for that or this. Well, you can worship God while you're getting the bottle ready <laughs> or, or you know, things like that. You attend to the needs of your family. We've got a cry room here for those that have little babies. I remember when we were, li when we were little, <laughs> when our kids were, were babies, we spent a lot of time in the cry room. And sometimes it was hard to even pay attention to the sermon. And you walk away going, ah, I wanted time with you, Lord. And God's like, my grace is on you in this time of life. And so listen to the sermon while you're doing your hair or brushing your teeth or shaving and you get the word of God in when you can. And sometimes you have to multitask, but there's God's grace on that situation. And so she has every intention of fulfilling her vow, but not yet. And so in verse 23, it says, so Elkanah, her husband said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. You know, it's going to be God who establishes this work in Samuel. It's going to be God who empowers Hannah and Elkanah to be able to take their two-year-old child, bring him to the temple and say goodbye. I'm going to let the priests raise you. And you're going to be, a, you're a man dedicated to the work of God from two years old. That's rough. I wouldn't recommend it for any of us unless God skywrites it in the sky. 
you know? This is one of those unique and unusual situations. And so Samuel then would be given to the Lord. And, the, and, and Elkanah wants to make sure that, hey, don't, you know, don't hold back on this. You know, there's this, uh, we want to let the Lord establish his word it's a huge part of trusting in him. Remember Abraham and Sarah? They were promised that they would have a child and it would be a miracle child, right? And for 25 years, they waited on God before it actually happened. And after a time, they, they lost faith and said, man, this isn't gonna happen. And so they went ahead of the Lord and they tried to fulfill it in their own fleshly way because Sarah gave her mistress over to um, Abraham who got pregnant by him and delivered the baby on, her, uh, on Sarah's knees, an adoption thing. And God said, no, that wasn't my plan. That's not the way. It's going to be a miracle baby. And so then Isaac, the miracle baby, came. So there's a temptation for us to jump ahead of God. And then Hannah, she may be tempted here. And there's no indication it's the case, but El- uh, Elkanah's worried about it. But Hannah may be tempted to fall behind him and hold on too long and say, no, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna give it up. Maybe I misheard the Lord. Maybe I shouldn't have made that promise to begin with, you know, (laughs) and whatnot. And so we don't wanna step ahead of the Lord and we don't want to be behind him either. When he says, let go, it's time to let go. It's time to surrender, time to give up, give to the Lord. And there will be a time where we have to give our kids, our grandkids to the Lord, isn't there? They're going to grow up and be independent. That's our goal in life. When, I, when Christy was pregnant, I was going on a, on a jog, and I saw these two dimes right next to each other. And I, I ran right past them. I'm all, that's funny, two dimes right next to each other. And then, and then the Lord spoke to my heart and said, it's the twins. And I went, oh. And I went back, and I grabbed those two dimes. And I put them in my hand, and I ran with them, and I prayed over the twins, you know? And, and then I finished my jog, And I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I'm thinking I'm going to put these two dimes in a special place or something, you know. And God spoke to my heart and said, now let go. And I was like, what? And and at first I was like, ah, maybe that's not God. But then I knew, yeah, this is the Lord. And I just took these dimes and tossed them into a bush. And I said, Lord, they're yours. They belong to you. And so there's this, you know, mine. And it could be kids, it could be anything that God gives us. And he says, now it's time to give back. They belong to me, they're mine. So I've always remembered that. And I think that God gave that to me because I'm gonna have a hard time letting my kids go as they get older. And the empty nest is beginning to loom upon us. They're juniors in high school now. It's gonna happen soon and quick. Anyway, we give them to God, right? Amen. Verse 24, no, middle of 23, the end of 23. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Verse 24, now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord, which is the tabernacle in Shiloh. And the child was young. Verse 25, then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. 
And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent or granted him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be granted to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. This would have been a very difficult time for Hannah, giving up her child to difficulty. And we too can rejoice and give God glory even in difficult times because we're trusting in him and we have faith that it's gonna be okay and he's got this, amen? Amen. First Samuel chapter two, starting at verse one. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Verse two, no one is holy like the Lord for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly, let no arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord is the God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. Verse four, the bows of the mighty men are broken and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven and she who has many children has become feeble. Boy, the Lord puts one up and brings one down. And he chooses when to do it and how to do it because he's basing his decisions on what's best for the entire situation and for each individual. You see, sometimes we need to be humbled and sometimes we need to be encouraged. And sometimes he just wants to shower us with blessings and goodness. And sometimes it's his goodness that brings discipline in our lives. Verse six, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up, talking of the sovereignty of God. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. You know, there's so much influence that Hannah has in these words as you read through the rest of the scriptures. If you read Psalm 113, King David quotes this uh, in his psalm. And it was the psalm that ministered to me before, uh, you know, when we were going through our infertility situation and I was praying and seeking the Lord about whether to pursue the snowflakes thing, you know, embryo adoption program or not and things like that. And God gave me these scriptures from Psalm 113 actually, um, that, that God would grant the barren woman a home and children. And so it was a confirmation to me in a time where I really needed it. Uh, we continue on here in uh, the middle of verse eight. For the pillars of the earth or the foundations are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. 
Matthew 25, 30, Jesus, speaking of the unforgiving servant, said, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is described as an outer darkness. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So to go to hell is to be separated from God and all his goodness. We, I can't even imagine that. And so the wicked will be silent in darkness. For by strength, no man shall prevail, whether it be big muscles, superior power, or stronger military. In the end, no man will prevail against God. It's going to be laughable at the Battle of Armageddon as they turn their weapons towards God. And he speaks the word, probably destroy, and they're gone. Verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven, he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. I love this because there is no king at this time. And there's no thought of a king at this time. But Hannah prophetically, she prophesies of a king and an anointed. We know that it won't be long before Saul is anointed as king. And then David, God's king, comes in, who is the foreshadowing of the king of kings and lord of lords. That is Jesus Christ. And here this word anointed is the word Messiah, Mashiach. And so she's making reference to the Messiah. And it's the first mention of Messiah here in the Bible. And then it's repeated later on by uh, so many times, right? Through uh, so many other biblical authors. And we see Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. In verse 11, it says, Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered or served to the Lord before Eli the priest. And it's going to be the beginning of an incredible, wonderful, prophetic ministry that Samuel gets launched into. It is going to be just wonderful. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Chapel Anaheim in Anaheim, California. We encourage you to stick around until the end of the program as Pastor James will be back with a few closing thoughts. Now, if you're in the area, we would love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you to let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get In Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Now, here is Pastor James with some closing thoughts. Thank you, Jesus. You know, your problems are too big for you. If you don't know that yet, you need to know it. Your enemy is too strong for you. The devil, he could destroy you in a second, just like that, if he were allowed. You need a victorious warrior to fight your battles for you. And the appropriate thing to do is to ask, to say, fight for me now, Jesus. Come to my rescue, Jesus. This is too much for me. This oppression, I can't take it anymore. I need you. Come to the rescue, God. And he will. He's a God who loves you. 
and he loves to come to the rescue. He does it for us again and again and again as his children. And we go all the way back to that very first rescue, remember it? When you receive Christ as your savior, when you realize the desperation of your situation and how you were lost in your sin and you were gonna go to hell if you died in that state and you said, God, rescue me. And he said, I have, just believe, just believe. Look to the cross, I've died for you. My blood is spilt, my body is broken for you. Just say yes, I believe. Say yes, I believe. And he will come in and live inside of you if you've not done that already. And if you have, he is. Now live, let's live it. Let's live it, amen? Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've died, you've risen, you're coming again. You're our victorious warrior. We love you so much, Lord God. I just pray for each person here that they would walk in victory, in the victory that you have won, and that we would all make a regular practice of crying out to you. We wouldn't wait, we wouldn't try to solve that problem ourselves, but we would cry out to you and watch you solve it even better. Thank you and praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.